You are listening to Clinical Pearls. All right, guys, we are back. And this episode is a little different. Rather than staying with one topic, I thought it'd be interesting and a little bit more fun to do rapid fire obstetrics Q&A, the most commonly asked questions during prenatal care. So let's get to that next. Let's start the road running. All right, let's get right into it. We're going to cover screening for certain STIs during pregnancy. Remember, screening for things like gonorrhea, chlamydia, hepatitis B, surface antigen, HIV, and syphilis are, of course, foundational to rule out any transmission to the child. But what about screening for genital herpes during pregnancy? Genital herpes infection is one of the most common sexually transmitted infections with about one in five women in the U.S. affected. It's a major health concern because women who have genital herpes infection during pregnancy are at risk of transmitting the virus to the developing fetus and the newborn. Most persons infected with HSV are unaware that they have it, and about 80% of infants with HSV are born to mothers who had no idea they carried the infection. HSV type 1 causes approximately one-third to half of all neonatal herpes cases, and up to 80% of new genital herpes infections among all women may be caused by HSV type 1. Of course, ACOG has a bulletin on this. Viral and or serological testing should be performed to confirm suspected HSV infections when there's a new onset genital sore. However, ACOG does not recommend routine antepartum HSV cultures in asymptomatic women, even with recurrent disease, because they're going to be treated with Valtrex at 36 weeks onward anyway. Routine HSV antibody detection screening methods are not recommended by ACOG or the CDC for any pregnant women. So that's a clinical pearl. You do not have to screen for HSV antibodies or do random cultures of the vagina just because they have a prior history of recurrent HSV. And that is according to ACOG. Random fact number two, pregnancy and deli meats. Deli meats refer to cooked meats that have been sliced and prepared for a sandwich and other light dining options. Now, these could easily be called sandwich meat, lunch meat, or cold cuts, or sliced meats. It's all the same thing. Deli meats can be classified as whole cuts, sectioned, or formed meats. Now, remember, these can be whole cut, which is meats that have been cooked and then sliced. Sectioned means restructured meats from chunks or pieces bonded to create a single piece. That sounds delicious, doesn't it? And then processed, which is similar to sectioned, but may include meat byproducts. Now, deli meats are one of the most common food items across the country. Deli meats are found in food chains, grocery stores, and of course, local delis. Now, because deli meats are so common, many people are surprised to discover that there may be a negative relationship with pregnancy. But we'll put that into perspective in just a minute. Deli meats and pregnancy concerns often have people asking, what is wrong with lunch meat during pregnancy? So let's get into that right away. Now, you'll more likely have heard someone share their advice about not eating deli meats while pregnant. And you've also heard cases where pregnant women have eaten deli meats and there's been no problem at all. 
Well, the good news is that the probability of experiencing a problem from deli meats is very unlikely. About 2,500 individuals will actually become infected with listeria annually. So that means it's kind of rare. However, the problem for pregnant women is that they are more susceptible to get it and their developing babies are more vulnerable to serious complications and even fetal loss. Now, the U.S. federal government has taken huge steps in helping to prevent the spread or exposure to listeria. Listeria is killed by pasteurization and by cooking and heating the meats to high temperature. Cold cuts are now sprayed with a food additive that actually helps prevent listeria from occurring in the packages. So that's helpful and that's good to know. So you shouldn't tell your patients that they're going to have an adverse outcome just because they've had some deli meat. They don't have to panic, but it is important and it's always to be on the conservative side to make sure that they do heat up any kind of deli meat and that includes hot dogs until they are steaming just to be sure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are on to air travel during pregnancy. According to ACOG's committee opinion, which is number 746, in the absence of obstetric or medical complications, occasional air travel is safe for pregnant women. That's the key word there, occasional. Pregnant women can fly safely, observing the same precautions for air travel as general population. Now, because severe air turbulence cannot be predicted and the subsequent risk of trauma is significant should it occur, Pregnant women, of course, should be instructed to use their seatbelts continuously while seated. Now, despite a lack of evidence associating lower extremity edema and venous thrombotic events with air travel during pregnancy, certain preventative measures can be used to minimize these risks, including the use of appropriate support stockings and periodic movement of the lower extremities even when they're sitting down. It's also important to avoid restrictive clothing. Occasional ambulation is advised, and it's always important to maintain adequate hydration when flying. Now, for most air travelers, the risks to the fetus from exposure to cosmic radiation are actually negligible. But what about those that travel more frequently? Air crew or frequent flyers may exceed these limitations. The Federal Aviation Administration and the International Commission on Radiological Protection considers air crew to be occupationally exposed to ionizing radiation and recommend that they be informed about radiation exposure and health risks. For those that have to fly more frequently, there is actually sources that they can go to for more information. For example, there is the database and the book, What Air Crews Should Know About Their Occupational Exposure to Ionizing Radiation, as well as a document, In-Flight Radiation Exposure. These can be looked at for additional details. All right, as we wrap up this quick rapid fire session, no session on quick facts is complete without talking about caffeine, alcohol, 
artificial sweeteners, and of course, bed rest during pregnancy. So let's end this session with these quick rapid fire issues. First, Alcohol. Although current data suggests that consumption of small amounts of alcohol during pregnancy, which is actually less than seven to nine drinks a week, actually does not appear to be harmful to the fetus, ACOG is very clear that there is no exact threshold between safe and unsafe, and if it exists, it's actually unknown. So according to ACOG, alcohol should be avoided in pregnancy. But it is reassuring that in those women who have had a sip or two before they found out that they were pregnant, that these small amounts of alcohol in general probably are safe. Next, artificial sweeteners. Artificial sweeteners can be used in pregnancy. Data regarding saccharin use are conflicting, but typical low use is likely to not be a problem at all. What about America's favorite drink, caffeine? Well, remember that low to moderate caffeine intake in pregnancy does not appear to be associated with any adverse outcomes. Pregnant women may have caffeine, but it probably should be limited to 300 milligrams per day or less. Now, that's a typical 8-ounce cup of brewed coffee, recognizing that that 8-ounce cup of coffee has about 130 milligrams of caffeine. So, in general, a pregnant woman can take an 8-ounce cup of coffee two, maybe max three times a day, depending on the type of coffee bean that is used. Well, what about bed rest? For a long time, historically, bed rest was chosen by obstetricians as a way to stay or prevent certain complications. Of course, we now know that bed rest has no role in obstetrical care, except maybe in the case of impending fetal loss in the second trimester with an incompetent cervix and bulging membranes. There is no known benefit to activity restriction or bed rest for pregnant women. And that's according to the college. And I think we need to say that again as a clinical pearl. There is no known benefit to activity restriction or bed rest for pregnant women. Bed rest does not prevent preeclampsia, does not prevent growth restriction, and does not prevent preterm labor. Here is our final session of rapid-fire questions. What about hot tubs and swimming? Well, although data are limited, pregnant women should probably avoid hot tub use in the first trimester. And after the first trimester, times in hot tubs should be time-limited at about 10 to 15 minutes to prevent core body temperature from getting too hot. But swimming pool use should not be discouraged in pregnancy because it can be a great way to get low-impact exercise. What about insect repellents? Topical insect repellents, including DEET, can be used in pregnancy and should be used in areas with high risk of insect-borne illness. Now, there was a time when DEET was hands-off and a bad word, but now, considering Zika and other effects of insect-borne illnesses, topical insect repellents, including DEET, can be used in pregnant women. What about hair dyes? And this will be our final quick fire session. Well, hair dyes, although the data are limited because systemic absorption is minimal, hair dye use is presumed to be safe in pregnancy. But of course, there's just limited data. (laughs) 
I told you this was going to be quick. Listen, sometimes we just need a couple of quick rapid fire questions to lighten up our day rather than a 20 or 15 minute topic on a certain issue. So I hope you enjoyed our quick rapid fire session and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Thank you.